Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Joseph Simkave, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida. And she is, she changed her intro here for me, huh? Which author, psychic reader? And you can find her at MsAida.com. Monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at TarotByGinger.com. She is a psychic, a medium, um, and all the other stuff, tarot reader. And uh, if you want to contact deceased relatives or you want a tarot reading to find out what energies are surrounding a situation to help you make decisions, or if you just are curious about what it is to talk to a psychic, you can find her at tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Ellen Malloy, and she is also a psychic and has a website on she teaches teleclasses on how to become a psychic and um, I'm sure this is going to be a fun episode thanks for coming on you're welcome thank you for having me so how do you discover you're psychic well um, I realize in hindsight I was always psychic but I didn't recognize it until I had a very unexpected experience at age 33 I'm 53 now so it's been about 20 years and what happened was I was taking Reiki courses. Um, I was a corporate executive working in the computer industry. And I took, I'd taken a Reiki level one course in the year 2001 in the Richmond, Virginia area. It was lovely and conventional, I suppose, for Reiki. When 2003 came around, so we're talking 2001, 2003, so several years later, I ended up getting married and my wedding gift from the Reiki master was a Reiki level two class. I didn't really know what the class consisted of mm -hmm. because it was a wedding gift. And about a month after I got married, we took the class. And everything in the class was just hunky-dory until it wasn't. And when the Reiki master teacher did what's called an attunement, which is a sacred ceremony that makes your body a conduit, I felt very, very strange. And I thought, oh, gosh, what is wrong with me? Maybe, um, maybe it's something I ate. Maybe it was a lunch, like I'm having a, you know, whatever. So I go home, I put the seat back in the car because I feel so weird and we drive home and to my extreme surprise when we get home and I settle in that I can see dead people and I, they were trying to talk to me. Um, it was kind of a, a, a crazy saga with the dead people and I was a little um, shocked. I guess shocked is the right word. Um, I wasn't scared. I was mm -hmm. just absolutely flabbergasted in the first couple of days, my husband, new husband of one month could also see them and sense them, but he it's his abilities faded away and mine didn't. And I thought, okay, I'm a female. Maybe it'll just take a couple of days more to, for this to go away. This is very weird. And I not something I was seeking, not something I was interested in, not something that I ever in my whole life thought about really. So 
it didn't go away. So we call the Reiki master guy and I'm like, look, looky here. We got a problem. I'm seeing dead people. And he said to me, I've, I don't see dead people. And no one I know does. And no one that I've known that's ever done Reiki has just started seeing dead people. And I'm like, okay. I said, well, this happened after your attunement. And I've never, you know, it's nothing like this ever happened before. And I'd, I'd like you to undo this. And he said, I, I have no idea how to undo it. He said, it's probably just part of your life path. So good luck with that. And I'm like, wow, okay. Um, okay. So what I, what I did was just really, um, hope that it would go away. And so I thought, well, I'll just ignore it. So dead people would try to talk to me places I went and I would just ignore them. Um, and then finally I started talking to them and I would just say, look, I get that you need some kind of help. Like you need clergy or you need uh, grief support or you need a detective, but I'm none of these things. I can't, I can't help you at all. And I'm not going to contact your relatives. I didn't even know who they, these people were. They were just random dead people. And so actually most of them would surprisingly just go away. They would just be like, oh, lady. All right. And they would just, they would just leave. So that was okay. And I thought, well, this is weird, but I have to somehow integrate this into my life. So I just started um, doing that. And then until the day that didn't work. And one day I, I was getting ready to go to bed and this lady comes in and she's clearly from another era. She's dressed like, she looks like she's something out of the 1600s. And she's screaming at me. And at that point, I had never had anybody scream at me. No one had yelled at me. They had just, sometimes they babbled or I didn't understand what they were talking about or they didn't even speak English. So I didn't know what they were saying, but no one had like scared me. This lady was like screaming at me and I was trying to give her my spiel. Ma'am, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I, I realized, you know, she was talking about being murdered. So I didn't know if she had been murdered. Someone else had been murdered. Thought I'd murder. I, I don't know, because she was screaming. But I said, she she kept screaming. And so my husband comes in. He goes, what is going on? I said, I have this screaming dead lady. And he's like, oh, that's not good. And I said, no. And I said, I can't get her to go. She's just screaming at me and she's hysterical. And he goes, I, I don't know what you do. I said, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to do either. And so I just, I don't know what made me do this, but I said, God, I need like an angel or something. And out of the left corner of my room, a gigantic angel appeared, swooped down and took this lady. And my husband said, what just happened? I felt a gush of air go by me. And I said, uh, well, I asked for an angel. One appeared and took this lady. And I was like, okay. I said, you know, so after that, every time a dead person would even come anywhere within near me, I would just immediately say, I got, I need an angel and just have them removed. And so for a while I thought, okay, well, this is all right. This is weird, but I have a solution to my problem. Dead people are no longer talking to me because they can't even get close to me because angels are now removing them. And I thought, well, you know, I can live with this. This is odd, but, um, but anyway, that's what ended up happening. And then what started kind of changing the, the situation was that I started seeing the angels when there were no dead people around. And so I, I remember the first time I did, I, walk, I was walking from the kitchen through the dining room and I realized there was an angel standing in the dining room. And I looked around, and I thought, oh, there must be a dead person here. And I'm looking around, I don't see anybody. And I thought, well, okay, this is different. I mean, it wasn't talking to me. It was just standing there peacefully. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is normal. Maybe they just always stand around in different various locations. I guess this is fine. Carry on. Angel in the dining room, you know? And so I just, 
And then I just kept seeing them and I saw more and more and more of them everywhere that I went. And I saw them around people and in places. And I started to kind of figure out the different sort of ones, the tall ones, the short ones, the small ones. And um, anyway, it was just, it's a, it's a saga. <laughs> wow. Huh. I didn't get, I didn't have that happen to me when I did the Reiki course. Yeah. I don't actually know anybody else that did it either. Um, well, yeah. So hmm. since then um, I now teach what I call Reiki with angels, which is Yusui Reiki as I learned it. And then what's changed since I started working with Archangel Raphael. And he, and so it's really his modality. He just tells me what stuff he wants me to tell you. So I, I teach kind of a, a hybrid, a East, meet, East meets West kind of thing to people. And um, a fair amount of people who take it start, start feeling, seeing, or hearing angels. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like I know that, you know, a lot of people after Reiki attunements will have, Increased psychic ability, premonitions, dreams, yes, um, better intuition, and yes. things like that. I've never heard of anybody with with the dead people thing. Although that sounds completely awesome, I, I would be really digging. That would that. be cool yeah. for you. Yeah, I, it wasn't so cool for me, but I, I'm just not wired that way. I'm not a, like I'm not an adventurous person. I don't have an adventurous bone in my body. Like my idea of a good time is like a bubble bath and a romance novel. So. Like I, I'm just not, I'm not a thrill seeker. I'm, I'm sort of a logical person. I was a business analyst in the computer industry. I did project management. I was like a very boring, normal kind of gal. And um, I, I went to art school. So I do know some kind of like artsy, fartsy, funky sort of people. And I had some friends who were into these kinds of things, you know, in high school and college, but it wasn't my cup of tea. And I just kind of was like, I'm sort of a live and let live kind of gal. So I'm just like, oh, well, okay, well, uh, yeah, so whatever, you know, but I'm tootling along. I'm 33 years old. I'm established. I'm an adult. I don't, this is not my thing, if you will, but I assumed that I could keep this private, mm -hmm. that no one would need to know this. I never needed to discuss it. And I thought, well, you know, most people of most religions believe in angels. Most people of most religions believe in life after death. I'm just having actual experiences of these things, which is odd, but you know, whatever, it's different. So, you know, I just thought, well, whatever, I'll just carry on. But then a curious thing started happening. I would be around people and then they would spontaneously start hearing, seeing, or feeling angels without me telling them that I could, or they would start feeling energy come from me when I wasn't trying to run Reiki on them. All these sorts of things started happening. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And so um, when I would do Reiki sessions, because initially when I studied Reiki, I was just for myself. I wasn't planning to ever do Reiki on anybody else. But then after I started seeing angels, eventually the angels very slowly started communicating with me. At first, they would just point. Like, for instance, when I do Reiki, you, you study Reiki, so mm -hmm. you probably learned the same thing I did, which is like what I call the horseshoe pattern. You start at a foot and you hold two minutes and you move to the next spot and you hold two minutes and you move up the body, right? Yeah. So I had been, that's what I had been doing. Well, so I'm on somebody's like knee and then Archangel Raphael's across from me and he starts pointing at the person's shoulder. And I'm like, um, no, there's like all these points before I can get to the opposite shoulder. And then he's like, go to the, you know, go to the shoulder. And I'm like, oh, 
okay, I'm thinking, what am I doing? I'm arguing with an archangel. This is crazy. So I was like, okay, fine. So I thought, well, this person doesn't know what Reiki is supposed to be anyway in their sleep. So I just, you know, go to the shoulder. And then I, and then he points to the opposite, like hip or whatever. And so I go to the hip and then I, and I'm doing these sessions where I'm like completely out of order. I'm holding, sometimes I'm holding spots for instead of two minutes per spot, I'm holding them for like 10 seconds or five minutes, or sometimes I'm only on the head or I'm only on the feet or I'm only on the left side of the body, only on the right side of the body. I flip somebody over. I'm only on the back. Um, and interestingly enough, as Raphael started teaching me what to do and techniques, my sessions got shorter and shorter. So I started out with sessions that were around an hour, you know, whatever, 45 minutes to an hour. And you know how it is, the energy runs through your body and then it recedes when you're done. You know, you kind of feel like, okay, we're, all right, we're done here, right? This is finished. I'm like flying through these sessions and my sessions dropped from, you know, an hour to 30 minutes. And then the more techniques I got, they dropped more. And so now I really do sessions over 15 minutes. Wow. So yeah. if I had this experience where I'm seeing dead people and I'm seeing yeah. archangels and all of that, the first yeah. thing I would do is start reading every single book I could find on the topics. I didn't do that. And, and, and research and trying to figure out what it is that's going on, why it's going on, and how mm-hmm. I could utilize it. You didn't do any of that? No, I didn't. And um, under normal circumstances in life, I would research everything. So for instance... I worked on lots of tech projects. So every time I got a new technology, I would usually take a class in it, buy a book in it. I would learn whatever, you know, I'd go talk to the database administrator or the, you know, or the software engineer and I would learn that technology. So I'm information based. But with this, uh uh-uh. I was too shocked. And my initial thought was I just didn't want this to be. I just wanted this to go away. Mm-hmm. And by the time I... It took me about a year and a half um, of having these barrage of experiences that were psychic that were really overwhelming for me to gain control over it. Because when I realized, oh, gosh, this isn't going away, like we're three months in and I'm still seeing dead people. And now I've got angels. And the next thing I know, we've got, you know, fairies and ETs and past lives, things I never, ever, ever gave not one iota thought to in my whole life. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God. And I remember telling my husband, I said, look, looky here. Uh, maybe this is some sort of late onset mental illness. So if I'm, you know, maybe I, and I wouldn't know because I, who knows how this works. Right. And I said, look, I will not um, in any way, you know, I'm just telling you now while I can say it, if you need to put me in a mental hospital or whatever, just do whatever you have to do. And he goes, he said, Ellen, he says, you're, you're having these weird experiences, but you're not doing anything weird. He said, if you were doing weird stuff, I would be freaked out. He goes, if you're running around our apartment complex naked or you're, you know, trying to whatever, talk, talk to random people in the street about this. Or he said, you're not, you're, you're just, you're still you, you're just having all these odd, you know, odd experiences. And, um, for me, I just felt like, I think the, the barrage of the experiences was more than, you know, I didn't want to go read about other people's experiences. I I didn't even feel like I could have a grip on it. It seemed like every time I wrapped my head around a little bit of a piece of this weirdness, some other new weirder thing would happen. So for instance, dead people, I was like, okay, this is, this is strange, but I, I, I guess I believe in life after death and I've never really given, I mean, I just assume people go to the heavenly realm and whatever, and I'd see them again. Now I'm just seeing these folks and they want help. And that's not terribly unreasonable. It's just 
bizarre that it's happening to me. And I thought, okay, I can wrap myself around. And then when the angels, and I'm like, oh my God, they made dead people seem very normal. Oh my gosh. Well, we have angels and they can somehow communicate. And I didn't even know they could dialogue for the longest time because I never even gave it any thought. They're pointing at things and, you know, don't do that, Ellen, or whatever. And and then eventually I start to realize, oh my gosh, I think they're, I can communicate with them. And so I started first with yes and no's. And I think I did yes and no's for months. And then one day I thought, I wonder if they can say more than yes or no. And in front of me, an angel drew K-N-O-W. And I went, oh God, I'm an idiot. They can say more than yes or no. And I'm just, <laughs> I've been trying to, you know, talk to them in the most rudimentary ways because I just couldn't fathom that there was more than, than that. And, um, and so the angels, once I wrapped my head around that, I was like, okay. And then we got fairies and I never in my wildest dreams would have thought fairies existed. Hmm. I went to a class by a woman who taught messages about angels. And I thought the whole class was going to be on angels, but she starts talking about fairies and I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, she's crazy. And I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I drove all the way to upstate New York to in a, in a thunderstorm to listen to this crazy lady talk about fairies. And so I leave the thing and I'm just, I'm just disappointed. Um, it was the first class I had taken in anything. I was a couple of years into being psychic and um, I'm walking through this wooded area to get back to the area where I'm staying. And um, right in front of me, a fairy, a, a tinker, like a, a tall Tinkerbell fairy shows up and I'm left. I stopped in my tracks and I was like, Oh, Oh my God, there are fairies. Oh my, oh my God. And then I was barraged by various fairies for the rest of that um, experience. And I, now I see fairies pretty much all the time, but I had fairies made angels seem normal. Angels made dead people seem normal. And then eventually I started seeing extraterrestrials and that made fairies seem, you know, everything was one thing weirder mm -hmm. than the thing before it. And it's just been an, a continuous unfolding of weirdness um, ever since. If I ever write a book, I'll just call it the continuous unfolding of weirdness. <laughs> it's, so, not, it's, it's not unusual, though. I mean, I, I you know, as we were talking before the, the episode, I've done, you know, obviously I've done a lot of interviews. And um, none of this is actually uncommon. You know, I, I, I've come to learn that, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's tons of world, people that have had yeah, these in my experiences. World, was, well, uh, that's why I ended up teaching. So what happened was, so I finally get out there and I'm, wor I'm word of mouth. Like I won't have a, I didn't have a business card. I didn't have a website. Everybody's just passing around my name and they end up calling me Ellen. The lady talks to angels. Then I didn't have a last name. I was just the Ellen, the angel lady. And, um, and then people start showing up and saying, I need to study with you. And I'm like, I don't have a. I don't have anything for you to study. There, there is no, I have no course. I have no body of knowledge. I'm just a lady who took a Reiki class and sees angels and dead people and all kinds of weirdness. But after enough people asking me, I, I said, okay, well, um, you know, I can, you can shadow me. I can explain some of these things. And I ended up just kind of informally sort of mentoring people at first. And it, and then more people came and more people came. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this going on with this? And so now, um, you know, fast forward years later, 18 years later, I've got, I do it on teleclass because I have students all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there are people having all kinds of experiences with all sorts of whatnot. 
uh, and I do my very best to help them understand it so they don't have to bumble and stumble around, you know, reading various sundry things and whatever, hitting the internet with every strange question there is. So. Hmm. So do you have like a technique that you teach? You know, I took um, a class, I think it was Von Prague or somebody like that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and his technique, and, and there's other people too who seem to use like the same type of technique where, of like grounding, then sort of like, you know, cleansing the chakras and then sort of like, you know, connecting to like the higher self or the, you know, your angels and things like that. Um, or, or is your method more of like an instantaneous one where you can do it, you know, on the whim? I can do it on the whim, but I'm not, but of course I have 18 years of experience. And, and the thing is I didn't start out. It wasn't as if I said, Ooh, this is an interesting sub- subject. I think I'll learn this. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen for me. The barn doors blew off my psychic ability. I didn't want this. If someone had come up to me and said, Hey, there's a thousand things you can study. There's, you know, whatever, um, the meditation and mindfulness and a million things, you know, knitting or whatever, I would have not picked psychic phenomena on that list of a thousand things. I would be doing whatever horseback riding or anything else in the world, you know, archery, I, you know, I would do anything. This, this doesn't, it wasn't my thing, but when I'm teaching people, my method is first, I think that before you can use your ability, you need to understand how psychic ability even works. Because I think 50% of the problem with people not understanding psychic ability is that they have these preconceived notions of what it either is or isn't. And their preconceived notions can stand in the way. For instance, I've met a lot of people who've come to me and said, oh, I don't have any psychic sight. And I'm thinking, hmm, that's odd. Because I can look right in and see their third eye is open. And I'm thinking, well, that's weird. Why does that person think they don't have psychic sight? And what it almost always ends up being is they do have psychic sight, but they have no idea how to find it because there are two types of psychic sight. There's external eye vision, which means you're seeing non-ordinary reality with your physical eyes. Mm -hmm. And there's internal eye vision, which is equally as powerful. And in some cases, the only way you can do it. For instance, if I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a session on a person in Australia, they are not here in front of me. I have to use my inner eye vision to see what's going on with them. They're not here. I can't see through their skin and see their organs and tissues. I have to see it in my mind's eye. But a lot of people don't know where their mind's eye is. They have no idea where to even look. So even though they're getting psychic impressions, they don't even know how to find them. And so I have a technique and I'll tell you what it is. What I do is I'll say to the students, imagine a white dog with purple polka dots. And the place in your mind where you saw the white dog with purple polka dots, that's called the screen of your imagination. And in order to see psychically, you have to make that area blank. So blank is like black, white, gray, silver, whatever blank is to you. And once it's blank, you watch it like a television set. And you allow the impressions to come in Mm -hmm. to the screen and you observe it. But the thing is, the, the, the whole idea of the dog with polka dots is just to get them to the screen. Because most people are so used to looking through their physical eyes at things in a room, they don't even know to look in their mind. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. I think one of the things, though, like this, this technique does, and there's other techniques, too, I know that are similar to it, 
you know, I think the next thing that people will say is like, well, what is the difference between this and visualization and imagination? Well, visualization and imagination is you putting something in the screen. So when I said, imagine the white dog with purple polka dots, that is you visualizing a white dog with purple polka dots. No one's giving that vision. I told you and you put it on the screen. So it works bi-directionally. It works both ways. But when you're doing psychic readings or when you're learning to do psychic readings, what you have to do is turn off your analytical side and turn on the side of your brain that's artsy-fartsy, the right Mm -hmm. side. And you have to allow the impressions to come in. So I, the way that I teach is I have, it's foundational. And that, so I have a beginner and you have to start with this beginner knowledge and then you can move to advanced. But a lot of people, they don't know what's beginner or advanced. They don't know where to begin. But the first things that people need to know is how are they psychic? Because not everybody's psychic in the same way. So there's psychic sight psychic feeling, psychic hearing, psychic knowing. Uh, And then there's less. Yes, exactly. And there's less common taste and touch, taste, smell, and touch. And then there's telepathy, which is not really a psychic ability. It's just mind-to-mind communication, but I lump it in there because it's kind of weird. And so it's a wild card. But anyway, the first thing they have to do is figure out what of these things do they have? And just because you don't have one of them doesn't mean you're not psychic. Most psychic people have two and they work together to give you impressions. Then, secondarily, you have to figure out what are you able to tap into. And you have to think of it like artistic ability or athletic ability, right? Let's say I say, okay, we're going to have a class on on athletics, which I would never do because I'm not athletic. But let's just say I did. And I said, okay, this night we're going to do tennis. And then we're going to do golf. And then we're going to do basketball. We're going to do baseball. We're going to do soccer and so on and so forth. You might be good at some of these things, but you're probably not going to be good at all of them, right? Mm. Same thing with art. If I said, oh, okay, well, maybe you are. I don't know. I would be probably not good at all of it, at any of them, because I'm not. Art. But anyway, but let's say I did art. So one night is watercolor, one night is ceramics, one night is stained glass, and so on and so forth, right? You're going to expect that you might be good at one of these things. Maybe you're just a virtuoso and you're great at all of them, but probably not. Well, psychic ability is the same way. Mm. So there are people who get premonitions and there are people who don't. There are people who can see angels and not dead people. There are people who can see dead people, not fairies. But there are people who can see into and sense into the body and the state of someone's health. And there are people who can't do that. There are people who are telepathic and people who are not. And so first things first, what abilities do you have? Second thing, what are you good at tapping into? And then once you once the students sort of relax into the environment, because everybody usually nervous when they start. They're really, really nervous because they don't know me. They don't know how it works. They don't know, is this going to be safe? Am I going to be embarrassed? And the process that works, I found, is they call in on teleconference. They don't see anybody. They're just hearing me or one of my other instructors. And all they know is we're, we're explaining this subject. Every night is just one subject. So we're talking about how to connect to angels, how to tap into dead people, how to uh, understand past lives, how to out-of-body travel, or whatever it is that we're, we're doing that night. So we're not overwhelming them. We're just giving them one this one thing. We're just going to talk about this one subject tonight. And then we pair them up with a student for five minutes. It's super, super short. It's enough time for you to get something, but not enough time to feel overwhelmed or embarrassed if it, if it doesn't work for you. And then after we pair everybody up and they have an experience, we go through and we say, okay, 
Martha and Susan, how did that go? And then they give feedback. And as they're giving feedback, I'm observing them psychically. And I can say, hmm, okay, Martha, you were, you kind of got off, off base there this time. And you are mostly imagining these things because I can, my, one of my abilities is I can observe someone else's psychic ability. Hmm. And so I can tell if they're ha- right, they're spot on, they're halfway there, they've misunderstood something, um, or if they've gotten blocked, what has been blocking them. Sometimes they're just scared. They're just scared to do, to even try. And, and so I can move them through that. And as they take class, the, we use the classer once a month. So they take the whole month of classes. Then by usually the second week, they calm down. They're not afraid. I'm not terribly terrifying. So, you know, I don't intimidate people too much. And so they, they figure, okay, Ellen's a nice person. Ellen's instructors are nice. Other students are nice. Okay, this is a safe place. I'm not going to be embarrassed. Um, and then they usually get deeper into the experience. They relax and then they start to get more information. And I found that over time, one of two things happens for people. Um, their abilities either slowly open, what I call unfolding. Um, so maybe they just started out and they didn't have, they had psychic hearing, but no psychic sight. And then slowly they start to be able to see or they have it pop. So all of a sudden they'll, someone will say, oh my gosh, I've never seen an angel. And then we did that reading and I just started seeing angels. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, it's unique to each person. Now, when you say, okay, now I have the foundation. I understand how this works in general. I understand how it works for me. I understand how it's maybe works for other people. I have some best practices. I have some tips and tricks on how to make this work. Now, I think maybe I want to really dive deeper into this. And that's when you go to advanced. And advanced is completely different. Hmm. So advanced is not topic-based. It's based on the, the process gets more complex. So for instance, one of the things I do is I get in psychic information and it comes from, to me rapid fire. I have all the clairs. And so it all just boom, 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 boom. It comes in, but I've done it a long time. So I can bounce the information between my left brain and my right brain. I can go boom, 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 boom. And that's me analyzing it. And analysis is my strength. Most psychics in the beginning cannot do that. If they get in a psychic impression, whether it's a feeling, a knowing, a hearing, a smelling, whatever they get, if they go to their analytical side of their brain, they start thinking about what they've perceived they will shut off the perceptions because now they've engaged their left brain too much and that's it. They shut it down. And so when people are more advanced, then I, I get things, I make things a little faster. It gets a little more real. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. That's a hard one for me because Mm -hmm. I can't, you like when I, if I do it, Mm -hmm. um, I can only, I, I know I'm okay as long as I'm just giving out the information that I'm perceiving. Yes. Because I'm not putting any type of vi- bias or judgment or or yes. messing it up with my own thoughts. You know, like yeah. In fact, usually the the least sense that the information makes to me, the mm-hmm. more accurate it is for the other person. Yes, I would completely agree with that, and that's a foundational principle of best practices in beginner psychic development. But that's not. 
the practice in advanced. So in beginner, what you want is to only relay the information as it comes to you, exactly as it comes to you, and add nothing else. But in advanced, if you're going to actually give someone a detailed reading, you need to be able to analyze. So let me give you an example. If I'm reading somebody and I see popcorn in their aura, right? And I just say, okay, I'm seeing a piece of popcorn in your aura. It could mean that that person just ate popcorn. Maybe they ate popcorn just before they arrived at the session. It could mean they're allergic to corn. Maybe they have an allergy. It could mean it's a metaphor and maybe they're a corny person. So in order for me to give a deeper reading, I have to be able to do that. And so, for instance, if I get a, you know, if someone calls me and they want to talk to their dead relative, I have no idea what I'm going to be dealing with. I could get somebody come in who's hysterical. And if they're hysterical and they're crying because maybe maybe they died unexpectedly or maybe they committed suicide, I might get a person who's the whole conversation sounds something like, and I can't make anything out of it, right? And I'm like, okay, this is um, this is complicated, and mm. this is going to be a horrible reading for this person. So what I have to usually do is call their guardian angel immediately and say, tell me what's occurred, what has happened to this person. And then I can get some sort of useful information to relate to that the individual that called. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, but that's advanced. I would not have a beginner student do that. So, so you used the, the angel basically to elaborate on Correct. the information yes. that you've received that yes. you haven't really made been able to pin down to something specific yet. Correct. And and if I get so I have all these little tips and tricks if if something happens. So let me give you an example. I had a reading last year with a woman. She calls, she wants to talk to her father. Father comes in. I don't know the woman, don't know the father. When people book me, I don't ask anything at all. I don't care what their astrology is. I don't need a picture of them. I don't need anything. You just I just they answer the phone, you know, I answer the phone. Hi, it's Ellen, and boom, we hit the ground running. So this woman's father starts showing me a necklace, and we uh -huh. get about three charms in. And the woman says to me, my father would never wear a necklace like this. And I said, okay. And so I said, sir, your daughter says you would never wear this necklace. Now, I don't know. I don't know the guy and I don't know her, right? And I said, would you like to move on to something else or do you want? And he says, no, keep describing the necklace. And I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. He wants me to keep describing this necklace. And so she's like, okay. So we get about six charms in and then she says, wait a minute. This is my necklace. This is the necklace I own. And I said, okay. And she said, why would my dad be showing you my necklace? And I said, probably to verify that I'm actually psychic because I don't know you. I have no earthly idea what kind of jewelry you have. I don't know your dad. I don't know. And she said, oh, well, I thought he was going to um, tell me a phrase, some sentence or something. And I said, well, maybe if you called a different psychic, perhaps. I said, but my strengths are vision. And knowing, mm -hmm. not hearing. I can hear, but I don't hear very well. It's not my strength. So maybe if you called a different psychic, he would give you whatever this is that you're looking for, song or phrase or poem or whatever it is. I said, but this is what he's doing. And then she got it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, with a beginner person, they could get overwhelmed if the, if the client said, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about with this here necklace and just derail the entire reading. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so by me observing kind of what happens in these, in these, um, 
practice readings, I can help them figure out little things. Like for instance, sometimes people will call and they'll say, they'll do their practice reading. They're like, I got nothing, nothing at all. And I'm like, okay. And so I'll observe what happened. And usually they're, they're scared and they're holding their breath. And if you, if you get frightened or you get panicked, then you won't do a good psychic reading because if you hold your breath, then you, the information that was coming in will get stalled because now you're tense and you're tight and you're keeping yourself from breathing. If you get nervous and you start breathing fast, you'll pull the psychic information in, but it'll be garbled. So it'll come in like, and you won't be able to make any sense of it. So what I have to do is get people to reset. And I, and I ask them, I'll say, if you're stuck, ask, take a deep breath, ask Archangel Michael to reset you and focus on the breathing. There are also little sort of little tips and tricks that I'll teach people. Like for instance, some people do much better if they're doing a reading, if they just relay verbally what comes to them. I'm seeing this, the color purple, a dove, et cetera, et cetera. Some people that's not good for them. What they need to do is take a notepad and they need to say to their partner, give me a few minutes. I'm going to tap in. I'm going to write down what comes to me and I'm going to read it to you. Hmm. And for whatever reason, that is better for them. Right. So, so there's all kinds of little, little tips and tricks. And that's, that's really the key. You have to start with some foundational knowledge in order to build. And I think sometimes with some of the other psychic teachers I've, I've met, I haven't taken a lot of psychic classes. I've took, I took, um, uh, well, I studied with Dorian Virtue long, gosh, 2004, 2005. I studied, I took a class with John Holland and John Holland is lovely. Um, but the style that he taught did nothing for me. And I remember being paired up with this lady and I'm trying to do the style and I don't remember what technique he, he taught us, but I looked at her and she goes, you're, you're a psychic, aren't you? And I said, oh yeah, I am. And she said, well, why are you, why don't you just do what you normally do? I said, well, I was taking this class. So I wanted to try to follow his style. And she said, well, it doesn't look like it's working for you. And I said, no, it, it, it isn't. And so I just started, I just flipped into my own way of doing it, which is, you know, was different than what he was doing. And it was fine. It was fine after that, but I couldn't understand his process. And the thing is, um, when people say to me, how do I develop my psychic ability? Because I used to get this question a lot. Now, pretty much people just take my class. But I would say, work with either someone that has a psychic uh, style that is very similar to your own, or that has a, what they tap into is very, very similar to you. So for instance, if you are receiving impressions about crimes, you would want to go to Pam Coronado, not Lisa Williams. Because, you know, to my knowledge, this woman doesn't solve crimes. Maybe she does. I don't know. But I don't think that's her thing. So you want to study with the right person. With me, I get a lot of newbies. I get a lot of people who are what I call intuitive versus psychic. So I think of it as a spectrum. There's sort of blocked, intuitive, psychic, mystic. And, and then there's some things after that. And when I think of intuitive, I think of people with hunches and senses and intermittent psychic ability, meaning stuff comes to them but they can't necessarily get it on command. Does that make sense? So someone could be psychic, but they couldn't sit down and say, have someone say, tell me about my health. They might tell them about their romance or read the colors in their aura or pick up on their past life. Does that make make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Also, one of my things that 
and, and I kind of go by this one is that psychic ability is like using a muscle. And the more you exercise it, the better and stronger it's going to become. It's something that we all have yes. to some extent, you know. Yes, I believe and, most And, and if, if you work with it and, and use it, you'll develop it. And if you don't, it's just yes. going to be a latent ability that we have. I agree completely. I believe that people fall into three categories. Most people are able. Some people are gifted and some people are challenged, just like with artistic ability and athletic ability. And the thing is, it's just not a thing in our society or in many, any, hardly any societies really on, on this planet um, where this is a valued skill. I mean, if you get a kid and they tell their parent they want to play a sport, they're likely to sign them up for gymnastics or soccer or whatever. If the kid has artistic ability, well, eh, depends on the parent. They might take the kid to art classes. They might just buy them crayons or they might say, oh, don't mess with that art stuff. Go on and go outside and play basketball or whatever. But if a kid has psychic ability, mom, I just saw grandma standing in the kitchen and she said I should we should make her, you know, famous pumpkin pie or whatever. You know, the well, you know. You don't know how the parent's going to react to that, but a lot of times they're going to blow it off. Oh, honey, oh, that's nice. Why don't you go out and play with your dolls now or whatever? Um, so it's just, it's something that's not valued and people don't know exactly what to do with it. And I think um, what I found is that a lot of people do what you suggested earlier. They're like, oh, so I've got something, something going on. Let me go read about it. Let me go get on the internet. And then if what they find scares them or doesn't match up or doesn't make sense mm -hmm. or it's maybe it's counter to anything that they've learned in their life through their culture their religion or their family of origin it can be a huge turnoff mm -hmm. and and then if they don't understand what they've got going on it can be or they can think well i don't have psychic sight so i'm not a real psychic that kind of thing and that's just not the way it is my strongest skill is knowing and i when I worked in the computer industry, I used to know things and, and p other people noticed it more than I did. They would say, how do you, how do you know that? And I would say, oh gosh, um, I don't know. I think maybe you tipped me off something you said. And they're like, no, no, mm -mm, no. Like I remember I had, I was put on a new technical team. I worked at a very big bank and the call center went down. And my boss was running around. He was super stressed because every, you know, as the call center goes down, no one can do banking transactions. They can't transfer money. They can't activate credit cards or solve whatever banking problems they have. So he's running around and he comes to me and he says, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And I remember thinking, okay, um, sure. Tell me what's going on. But I'm thinking, I can't help this guy. Like, I have no idea. I've been on this team for two weeks. I don't know. I don't know anything about this stuff. And so I thought, well, the only thing that I can do for him is listen, just listen and try to be compassionate and give him a place to, you know, voice his concerns. So he starts talking and he's like, well, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this and the team did this and the team did this. And I looked at him and I said, it's two problems. It's problem A and problem B split the team, have problem A go after this problem and team B go after this problem. And I started just telling him what to do. And he goes, okay. And he was so they had no answer. So they just did what I told them because they had no other options at that point. And it had been going on for most of the day. And then 
the teams resolve the problems and I'm getting ready. I'm getting my coat and my purse and getting ready to leave for the day. And my boss says, how did you know? And I said, how did I know what? And he said, how did you know it was two problems? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. I said, I must do something you said must have tipped me off. And those kinds of things would happen pretty much all through my life. Mm-hmm. But I never, ever thought of these things as psychic. It, it psychic never crossed my mind uh, that I was a psychic. And so, you know, th- it, there's a lot of nuance to it. I mean, in the beginning, I, I didn't know what in the world was going on. And I didn't even know where to go to exactly get help or make sense of any of this. And the more psychic people I met, the more I realized I'm not like this person. I'm not like that person. I don't, you know, I mean, and I, I, I would meet psychic people who would argue with me and say, angels don't have wings because I see them as having wings. And I thought, okay, this is weird. Or they'd say, I have never seen a fairy. Fairies don't exist. And I thought, well, you're psychic. Well, a lot of people don't think dead people can talk to you, but yet you talk to dead people. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, well, this is is some weird stuff. Hmm. But anyway, that's in a nutshell, my strange journey. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would consider myself probably claircognizant also. Yes, I would agree. Claire knowing, you know, because... I will. Yeah. I have those same type of experiences where it's like, mm-hmm. how do you know that? I, I just knew. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, th- I would say it's, you, it's have like, another, you have another skill as well that I can pick up on. You can read auras. Do you know what that is? Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and I could also. I, I took a, a course on remote viewing, which I was also. Yes. Very very good at. Yes. You yes, know. that wouldn't surprise me at all. But it's really, it's definitely fun to learn that we have these abilities and how to use them. You know, you were talking about, um, you know, the different levels, like, like you know, like, like there's like the, the person that's black, there's the person that's intuitive, mm-hmm. there's the person that's psychic, there's the person that's mystic, mm-hmm. up, up the line. What level do you consider yourself? I Just am psychic um- or mystic or? No, I'm at the upper end of psychic in it's a spectrum usually for people. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the upper end of psychic into the lower end of mystical abilities. So mystical abilities are when you're lo- unlocking the laws of the third dimension. So you're talking about bilocation um, and levitation and all those kinds of things, shape shifting, some some weird, weird miracle stuff, you know. And um I because I'm at the lower end, when you're at the lower end of a spectrum, you've got it, but you don't have it under any control. Mm-hmm. I can't control the weird stuff that happens around me um, or with me or, or whatever. They just, just weird stuff happens. But really in order to be able to do psychic readings accurately, you have to be in the middle of psychic to the high end of psychic. Mm-hmm. And the higher you are, the more detail you have and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. See, so, I used to not consider myself psychic, but I've read tarot cards since like the age of 12. I would consider psychic. And and then I I did an interview with someone who I have on on regularly. Mm -hmm. um, And Richard Milne, something like that. (laughs) I'm terrible. I forget his name. I'm on (laughs) all the time. (laughs) And um, anyway, he he was like, you know what? You can do it without the cards. You don't need the cards. Just just do it without it. You know? And and I started trying that. And I was like, He's right, you know. But I used to yep. kind of look at the at the cards as 
right, you know, there's a synchronicity. Like the cars are always going to be right because it's within this yeah. synchronic, sacred geometry design of the universe, you know? Yeah. And so uh, cards and pendulums and dowsing rods and all those runes, it's all astrology. All of those are what I think of as focus tools. And there are some people that just do much better using a focus tool. A focus tool helps them tap in better and deeper. But I can tell the difference between someone who, let's say an astrologer, who is just reading the astrology chart in using book knowledge, learning, book learning, and a person who is reading the chart and then taps in psychically. Mm-hmm. And, and they, and they, and they take, use that as a jumping off point, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, so there, so there's a bit of, I don't use focus tools. I've tried pendulums and angel card decks and things like that, but they distract me mm-hmm. from tapping in. So I don't, I don't use them, mm-hmm. but I don't have a problem with them. I just, each person's different. You know, some people in order to do very good readings, they need to be near the person that they're reading and they need to touch them. Sometimes when, cause I do a lot of um, health intuition, that's I'm sort of known for angel communication, health intuition. I can do other things, but those are the two I'm known for. And um, when I have people in a room on a massage table and I'm laying hands on them, I can sometimes get more unique information because I've got that, that ability to touch them. But if I'm, if they're out of body and they're, somewhere, you know, not out of body. I'm sorry. They're not in my state. They're not, they're wherever they are, you know, some other state, some other country. I have no choice, but to use all of my psychic abilities for, if you will, remote viewing and so forth Mm -hmm. to be able to tap in and see what's going on with that person. So, yeah. Hmm. Do you have any desire to reach the mystic level to levitate and biolocate? No, not at all. No, not at all. I would love to do that. Yeah, I know. I know. Most people would love to be as weird as I am, but I am, I have, again, I am not a thrill seeker. I never have been in my whole life. I never will be like um, a lot of my friends are excited because, you know, we get invited places to go travel here, there, or whatever teach. And I have no desire to really travel much. I mean, I will, I have a 10 year old, so we got to take her some places in the world and show her around a little bit, but I really just, None of this lights my fire. I'm a very simplistic, easygoing kind of gal who likes, you know, romance novels and freaking sushi, you know, and, and bubble baths or whatever. I, the mystical stuff is, is real odd to me. And it's, um, you know, it, I mean, I don't have really any good control over it. So weird, weird stuff just kind of happens. Like, um, uh, my eyes will change color pretty dramatically uh, sometimes. And I remember being in a class and um, it was a healing class. And there was a young man behind me. I think he was a teenager. And I turned around and said, are you okay? And he, and he was bent over and he was in terrible pain. And the class was about to start. And I said, can I help you? And he said, yes. And I turned around and I just blasted healing energy into his torso And um, I was trying to do it quickly because this class was about to start and I'm not the instructor of this class and I'm trying not to, I'm trying to kind of lay low. And so I turned back around and everybody went, what is going on with you? And I said, oh, what is it? And they said, your eyes are light green. My eyes are normally um, green, but not light green. And I said, oh, it's okay. I said, it's just that I brought through so much energy to change my eye color. And they're like, 
is that normal for you? And I said, oh, well, yes. I mean, you know, so they thought that was very odd. But for me, you know, yeah, sorry. My eyes are weird looking. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so there's so there's all kinds of stuff. Probably the weirdest thing that ever happened was that I started becoming invisible. That's awesome. The first time it happened, I had no idea what occurred. And I actually thought the person was, so I was doing a Reiki session. I was working a lot. So I had somewhere between six to eight clients a day. And I was working out of a chiropractor's office. So my very last client of the day, everybody had left. It was just me and the client. We had finished her session and we walked out and we were sitting across from each other in the lobby and chatting. And then there was a lull in the conversation. All of a sudden she looked up startled and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for her to say something to explain why, you know, and she looks around and then she just gets up and leaves and walks out the door. And I thought, this is weird. Maybe she left the stove on at home or I don't, I don't know what happened. And so she leaves and I am waiting and I see her get in her car and drive away. And I'm thinking, that's weird. Like she's never done anything like this before. So I go, I get in my car, I drive home and I call her and I said, hi, are you okay? And she said, am I okay? She goes, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. Thank you. And she said, Ellen, you disappeared. And I said, what do you mean I disappeared? And she said, you were sitting there and you disappeared. You became invisible. And I'm like, what is she talking? And I'm thinking, this is crazy, you know? And so I said, Okay. And so I'm thinking, well, I must've just gone out of this woman's visual spectrum somehow, like something happened to her vision, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm not still not thinking it has anything to do with me until about a week later, I'm on the, I have a massage, a client on the table and I'm doing Reiki. And I'd worked with this client before and I had my hands, one of them was on her head and one was on her um, torso. And she opened her eyes and looked at me. She goes, Ellen, what's happening? And I said, "Um, well, I'm just doing Reiki. And she said, no, what's happening to you? And I said, I don't, I don't know what you mean. She goes, Ellen, you're transparent. I can see through you. And I'm like, and that's why I was like, oh my God, it's me. It's me. And I said, oh, don't be alarmed. This happens sometimes. I'm thinking, what do you say? (laughs) You know, what do you say to this person? I don't want to completely freak. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm just going out of your visual spectrum. I'm still here. It's just a weird thing. Well, that definitely falls under the mystic category though. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's really strange. So what I figured out um, after talking to the angels, because the first time I didn't ask a lot of questions about it, because I really just didn't think it actually happened. I thought this lady just had a whatever, something happened to her. And then when it happened the second time, I was like, okay, all right, we're dealing where something's happening here. And so I said, angels, what is going on? And they, what they explained to me was that of the energy system there, you know, I think of the human energy system in layers because it's really all interpenetrated, but I you have to break it out somehow to teach it. So I use like the concept of a Russian nesting doll, right? Mm-hmm. You know what that is like yes. a doll and a doll and doll. Okay. So if you think of the, the smallest Russian nesting doll inside the middle as the physical body, and then the one that's on the outside of that is the astral. And then there's the emotional and so, and so on and so forth. The one that's the biggest doll, the biggest, fattest doll on the outside, that's the magic body. And what they were showing me was that the reason I started doing all this weird stuff is because I had 
filled, I was doing so much Reiki every day. I was doing Reiki and Reiki and Reiki and Reiki and Reiki for hours on people. And I had people who were even waiting in the lobby, people who were bringing people to me. People were asking me to go to hospitals because my Reiki was, you know, people were having these miracle healings and all this crazy. And doctors were showing up and talking to me. It was just crazy stuff. So I'm doing so much Reiki. And what I do is, you know, when you run, you use yourself as the conduit, you fill your own energy system with Reiki, right? And it flows to where you need it. Well, I wasn't sick. So what was happening is my Reiki and my little Russian nesting doll is spilling over Mm -hmm. and it's spilling over and it's spilling over and it's going to each of my layers, my energy system till it got to that outer layer where the magic is. And then it started activating randomly different abilities that I have, which I wasn't seeking that interested in that never thought it was an option in life. Invisibility. Mm, that's like what the, what is it? Fantastic Four lady. Mm-hmm. I mean, like who thinks of this, like, as this is not an option in life. And so I, I ended up doing, I ended up basically inadvertently activating these things without having any interest or trying to do it. Wow, that that makes a lot of sense too. The explanation, oh, good, because you know, I've read about, I've done a lot of reading about and studying of of the chakras and how mm-hmm. they're not just this up and down thing in our body yes. that, that we normally see, but there's yes. you know there's chakras going outside of our body also that correspond, yes. you know, yes. and if you're reaching you know a level of that spiritual chakra, yes, outside of your body range right. there's nothing there to physically perceive correct makes sense yeah. yeah so i've so over the years i've learned a, a lot about the human energy system that's vast and complex so when i look at the human energy system i think of it in three ways there's like primary secondary and tertiary aspects so primary aspects are things that every single person has like you, everybody has seven main chakras that run down the spine. And for people who don't know what that word is, it's an energy center. And they run from the base of the spine to the top of the head. Everybody has them. If, you're, if you've got one of them that isn't working right, you're not going to be healthy. Like I clear my chakras every day. I'm 53. Do I look 53? No, these people can see me. I don't look 53. So that's because I have a good amount of energy flowing through my body. So I'm aging slower than most people my age. But... There's all these other chakras. So there's other chakras and aspects of the energy system that sit dormant and they only activate if people need them because of their, whatever their life purpose is. So for instance, sometimes I'll, I'll meet somebody and I'll see a chakras they're activated between the chakras. So for instance, there's one that's between the sacral chakra, which is, um, uh, I'm sorry, root chakra, which is red and the sacral chakra, which is orange. There's one in between. And then there's one in between. So there's like, the red and the orange, there's like a red orange one, and then there's orange and yellow, and there's like a, a corally colored one, and then there's yellow and green, and there's a lime colored one, but I don't see these in everybody. Or for instance, everybody's got this third eye, which sits in the middle of your forehead, and it, the point is from nose to hairline. But sometimes I see what I call a petite third eye to the left or the right. There's an, It's almost like the shape of a cat eye. It's not really a cat eye, but it's just the size of a cat eye. And so they'll have this extra third eye. Um, And sometimes people have what's called a fourth eye. It's in the opposite of the third eye all the way in the back of the head. And that's for multidimensional sight. Like you have one, you have, you have the, you Mm -hmm. have the third eye and you have a big third eye. So your third eye extends down here to like the bridge of where your glasses are. And it's up in your hairline. That's not normal. Normally the third eye is 
above the eyebrow and just before the hairline like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, so it would make me not surprise me at all when you said I can do really good remote viewing because you have a really robust third eye. Yeah. Just like some people have really strong body and they can like go play football or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Or this one's got really dexterous hands and they're good at painting or, or whatever. You've got a really strong third eye, but you have the fourth eye too. Hmm. And sometimes I'll find weird stuff that I call tertiary which is like strange oddball things. I'll give you an example. I had a lady call me. She goes, hi, I'm a professional psychic. And I said, okay. I said, well, how can I help you? And she said, I'm a pet communicator and I've got this weird thing going on. She goes, I tap into the animals and all of a sudden I've got this weird strobe effect. And I said, okay. I said, let me do a scan on you. So I did a scan. I said, I see what, what's going on. And I described it to her. I said, it's, it's a weird, like almost an oil slick and it starts coming around and moving. She goes, yeah. I said, what do you do when that happens? She goes, I shut the reading down. I stop. I said, okay. I said, let me tell you what it is now. I said, it's a fairy eye. You have it in the middle of your head. I said, a fairy eye is like a round eyeball, except mm -hmm. it sits in the middle of the head. It's not out here and it helps you see fairies. And I said, the reason you've activated this is because you have made your life's purpose to work with animals and the guardians of animals and plants are fairies. Mm. So we have guardian angels and they have their own guardian angels and they're called fairies. And I said, so you're, you're doing two things simultaneously. You're starting to tap in psychically to the animal and then you're tapping in to the animal's fairy. And that's what's happening. And I said, so you need to just go with it. Just breathe through it. It's a little weird. I said, but you'll get used to it. And after a while, it'll be normal. And one of the things I tell people, I said, when you first start learning psychic ability, you have to think of it like learning to drive a stick shift car. You know, the process of a stick shift, right? Mm -hmm. You have to learn the gears and the pedals. And every single person who does this is going to stall the car out. You're going to grind the gears. Everybody does that. That's the same process with psychic ability. You're not going to hit the ground running and have it all be smooth. It's going to be herky and jerky, but eventually you'll figure it out. And then all of a sudden you'll be able to drive the car. Yep. It's practice. It, does that make sense? Yeah. A lot of sense. So I'm going to ask you a personal question for myself, yeah, for, my own, for my own selfish benefit. Okay. Sure. Go for it. All right. <laughs> I've been feeling this weird heat sensation. In my mm -hmm. chest, like right here where my heart is. Yeah. Uh, I've been kind of passing it off as like stress for the holidays or the cold weather. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? Um, so I think it's spiritual awakening in short. So when I look at people that are spiritually awakening, we're all spiritually awakening. It's just that some people are moving in a faster way than other people. And so there's a structure, I call it the core veil structure. So I use the term veil because that's the term most commonly used for structures in the body. And as people start awakening, these veils start releasing. And some of the veils are physical, some of them are mental, some of them are emotional, some of them are just very strange esoteric. But when I look, like if I look at someone from the top of their head down, I'll see a series of panels. And those panels, two of them run in an X shape and two of them are in a plus shape. So they make an asterisk. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? They're individual panels. When they're, when someone is not spiritually awakening, those panels are solid like drywall. They're solid and thick and they don't move. They're immobile. They keep people, aspects of people, aspects of people's 
esoteric body, their metaphysical aspects separated. So they're experiencing the world more as a human being than a spiritual being. As you spiritually awaken, you start, these things start to break down. So what happens is the drywall starts to break down and starts to turn into what looks to me like glass. Mm -hmm. So you can see through it. You can't move it very well, but it's like thick glass. And then the glass breaks down even further into what would be like a, um, a, 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 excuse me, a window screen. So you can, you know, air passes through it. You can hear through it. And then eventually the screen starts to disintegrate and eventually the, the entire panel goes. And when that happens, a bunch of things start happening. There's a lot of energy that moves through the area. There's also movement that happens in this area. Now I had no knowledge of spiritual awakening nor interest in it. Um, my first husband wrote, read autobiography of Yogi and fell in love with it. I never I love read it. it. I absolutely okay. love that well, book. He, he loved that book and Me he too. raved about that book. And I never read the book. And so I go to, I had a friend in town and she was doing a meditation class. Well, actually she was technically doing a class in a wizardry, but there was a meditation piece of it. I'm a long time meditator. So I was going to go sit in on the class and just meditate because, you know, that's what I do. So I show up at the class and there's, you know, like 40 people in there or whatever. I'm sitting down on the floor with everybody else. And my friend who's instructing the class is sitting uh, about five or six people away from me. And so I'm sitting down and I start my meditation and all of a sudden something completely bizarre starts happening. I feel like I lose control of my body and I feel like I'm suddenly moving my body around. And I'm like, what is, what is going on? And I open my eyes into my great shock. I'm not moving. Something inside me is moving around. And I had no idea what was going on. I look, my friend opens her eyes and looks at me. She jumps down and gets in front of me and says, can I help you? I said, of course, I have no clue what's going on. And so she starts doing her whatever she does. And all of a sudden, something blew out of my energy system. And my friend says, okay, we're on break. 10 minutes, everybody. Bye. And they all have to and they all have to leave. And she looks at me and she says, do you know what just happened? And I said, I have no idea what just happened. And she said, you just lost your core veil. And I said, what? What is that? And I, because I had heard them talk about it in their system. And I knew that I said, wait a minute, isn't that like wizard level 30 or something that people do that? She goes, Yes. And this was a level one class. And I said, well, this isn't normal. And she says, no, no, this is not normal. And what I realized is the panel that I lost is the one that runs here to here. It goes across this way, not the one this way, mm -hmm. not this way or that way. It's the one that was here. It blew out. And when it blows, when every time you lose something big like that in your energy system, you become you experience yourself as less human and more spiritual. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about this, I'm looking at your panels mm -hmm. and I can see that there are two of them. The ones that go in an X pattern are, are able to move them. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you'll be able to feel me, but I might be able to move it. Yeah. I just moved it. I don't know if you can feel me moving it, but I'm moving it. Yeah. I feel something. Yeah. Okay. So those are, those are now, they look like they're, um, most of your panels are glass or they are in the, uh, window screen phase. So they're starting to break down. And that's why you're feeling all that heat there. The heat is the Kundalini channel. Yeah, it is but if it's a, some kind of spiritual awakening thing that's happening to me, then why yes. am I cranky and more short tempered than ever? 
Seriously, have you not met people spiritually awakening? Do you think they're joyful? Nuh-uh. They're cranky people. <laughs> they're, <laughs> it's not, you know, if you think the spiritual awakening is like sitting around and singing Kumbaya by yourself, that is not how that works. So as people spiritually awake, lots and lots of really intense things start coming up for you and not just like normal emotions, but all kinds of past life trauma and all sorts of mental fixations. Like I, 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 I didn't talk about spiritual awakening a lot for many years because I really couldn't describe it. And as you see, I'm, I'm a person, I'm pretty highly verbal and I can explain things well, which is part of why I'm a good teacher. But I couldn't explain a lot of this. And I do have one story that kind of illustrates how weird this is. So I was meditating one morning and I had something blow out of my energy system. And I was like, okay, whatever. All right, something went. And I, I went downstairs to get breakfast. And as I was downstairs, I opened up the refrigerator and my husband was at the sink doing something. And he turned around and he said, Ellen. And I said, what? And he said, you're naked. And I said, what? And I looked down and sure enough, I was wearing absolutely no clothes. And I thought, what? What is going on? And I realized I rushed upstairs, put on a, a, a you know, clothes. And I thought, what is going on? Like, I've never walked around naked before. I didn't grow up in a family where everybody mm -hmm. walked around naked. Like, I've never done this. Like, I'm not a nature retreat kind of gal. And, and I realized in that moment that I no longer had a sense of what it means to be clothed versus naked or, or wearing any kind of clothing. So females are very tapped into this. Males, a little bit less so. But for instance, a female would feel very, very different if she's in a bikini versus a ball gown versus her pajamas. Mm -hmm. Like she'll go to the beach if she's wearing a bikini or to the whatever hot tub. She's not going to go to the grocery store in a bikini, probably, maybe, maybe somebody would do it. Most women would not. And she's not going to go to an evening thing in her pajamas. But, but that's all because of the mental idea of this is the way things must be. I must be wearing this. I must look this way. And that's, and women are so fixated on how they look. I, you know, I now have no fixation anymore. So for instance, I have to think about, I've got to go somewhere. I've got to go to my kid's school and try to, to recruit for the cotillion. That means I've got to put on makeup and I've got to put on a nice outfit and I've got to have on nice jewelry, but I could easily show up there in my pajamas and be like, Hey y'all cotillion. You know, I'm wearing flannel, but it doesn't really matter because I'm a spiritual being <laughs> having a human experience. <laughs> so, so I can't, I didn't know I had that way of thinking until it was gone. So, and that's how most of the things are. I don't know how it is that I'm human until I'm that aspect of humanity for me is not there anymore. So for instance, when I look at people, I don't look at the person. I don't see their skin. I don't see their height. I don't see their weight. I don't see their ethnicity. I see their soul. And that's very different. You know, before I recognized people as this person's tall, this person's short, this person's old, this person's young, this person's black, this person's white. Now it's not like that anymore. It's just different. It's hard to explain it. I kind of understand that, though. Yeah. Oh, good. That I kind of get. You know, when I look at people, too, I don't necessarily look at yeah. the physical appearance or their job or any of that. I kind right. of look at the person. I wouldn't even 
as as the person as as the 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 the, the blob of energy that's stuck inside a body. Oh, I think um, part of that's is because you're an aura reader, and I don't even know that you fully understand that you're reading people's auras, but you're definitely reading. You've been reading, scanning my aura since this we since we started. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just like you're you're a very curious person, which is perfect per, makes perfect sense for your podcast. Yeah, I'm good at reading people. Yeah, you, know, you I, are. I, I know when a person is not doesn't have good intentions. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, even if everybody else thinks they do it, I'm kind of like, oh. <laughs> I'm staying well, away from that person. Well, you're probably picking up on layers of it because someone can think they've got good intentions, but then they underneath you know that there's uh-huh. something. Yeah, there's, there's more. They might not even is, know it. Yes, yes, That's true. That's definitely true. Yeah, that's cool. So there's a lot more that we could talk about, like the angel <laughs> communication and, and and how that sometimes that and I know that angel communication ties right into extraterrestrials and multidimensional beings and all this yeah. other stuff. But it that's does. like a, but that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> so, right, that would be a whole know? other episode. So, so, so but, I'm around. So if you, I, I have a feeling now that we've met, you probably have you probably think of more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want me to come back, just let me know. Yeah, so. definitely. But um, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on and talk with me. And um, before we wrap it up, where's the best place for my listeners to find you and uh, to take your classes? So you would go to my website, which is my name. It's Ellen Malloy, E-L-L-E-N-M-A-H-L-O-Y.com. And it just says, there's a link that says teleclasses. So we've got a whole a whole lot of different interesting things planned for um, 2023. So. And our our costs are very very reasonable. That, that's the thing. I was, the next thing I'm going to say is like fifty five bucks. That's it. There's people out there charging thousands of dollars for some development classes. That's what Archangel Michael told me to charge. So. And um, so yeah, I mean, I was even thinking like, man, maybe I'll take the January version. Yeah, of it. go for it. We've got we've got quite a few signups already. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I will yeah. put the link to uh, your website in the notes of this episode. Oh, thanks. Um. I don't know if it'll be out in time for the January classes, though, but I'm sure okay. you'll be running There'll classes. There'll be February, forever. March. There's other classes. That's fine. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it was great having you on. And oh, good. Uh, Did you have any last thoughts, burning questions you want to ask me before I go? Yeah. Okay. I don't know about my mom because you talk to dead people. Like, I do. I do. So the first thing I would do is create a sacred space. So you want want to talk to your mom right now? Sure. Like on camera? Yeah, (laughs) let's do it. Okay. All right. Angels, create the ideal sacred space around us. Not my will, but thy Lord, work in me and through me. Let me ever be a channel of blessings. Let my coming in and going out be in accord with what thou would have me do. Amen. What's your mom's first name? Lucille. Lucille. So I have a woman standing directly behind you. Um, she has, um, she's a cross. So what I do I normally do is I start by describing the person just to mm-hmm. make sure I've got the right person since I don't know your mom. Um, she is wearing a slightly, her hair is kind of up. It looks like, I see people as transparent, so I may not get all the details right, but it looks brownish. It's slightly high. So it looks like it's like teased a little bit, or maybe she just has curly hair. She's, she's bushy. She's, she's got a bushy head. Okay. Is that what it is? Okay. So, um, and she's, um, she's standing behind you. So all I can really see is like, 
kind of from here down. So I'm not really mm-hmm. sure you're sitting. So I don't really know how tall she is, but she's slender and she's um, she's got a really interesting personality. She's a combination between sweet and she seems polite and she's very, very curious like you. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems very interested. And I think she's more than a little bit surprised for some reason to be called in just out of nowhere like that. But the way I do it is I have angels go get them wherever they are and bring them in. So um, it seems like she's been passed a while because there's an energy around people who recently passed versus people who've been deceased for a while. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I take it it's been several years, About I would imagine. six years. Okay, okay. Yeah, so she's, so she's at peace. So I'm going to ask a few questions. And re- keep in mind, I get things mostly in vision and knowing. She's got a little bit of an accent of some sort. So it's um it, it's like a twang. Is she Southern? No, but she's from Pennsylvania. So. Oh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Well, maybe to me that sounds like there's a little there's a little, little bit of a an accent to me that comes across Southern, but again, hearing's not my my strongest. Um so she is very much at peace um with her, you know, with crossing and, and being in the heavenly realm. She's definitely in the heavenly realm. Not everybody who dies ends up in the heavenly realm. Some people are, you know, earthbound or various sundry other things happen with them. So she, it looks like she crossed over immediately. When people cross over, they're given options. So option one is reunification with loved ones. Option two is devotion with the divine. Option three is life review, which virtually nobody wants to do right away. And then you can do a tour of the heavenly realm. That's very, very unpopular, but only super curious people do it. Um, and then there's going, going into a healing center, which only happens if someone is traumatized. So she did immediately reunification with loved ones. And apparently there's some pets that she wanted to reconnect with. It looks like, it looks like small animals. So mm-hmm. maybe did she have small dogs? Is, she had a, a cat, but we had given her the cat and it died like right after she died. Oh, okay. Well, there, it looks like, well, I'm seeing a small dog. It could be a dog from maybe her childhood or something. It was a small, I don't know what kind of a dog it is, but it's some kind of small light colored dog with maybe a little bit of brown on it. And then I'm seeing a a cat of some sort. It looks like it might be a gray with some other sort of colors in Mm -hmm. it. And um, anyway, so conventional cat, I mean, house cat kind of cat. And, um, and so she was uh, definitely reconnected with those. It looks like she had a pretty big spiritual support team on the other side. Lots of angels, lots of guides, um, and a fairly large amount of deceased people who passed before her. So parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, not a small, she's not one of those people that came from like a little tiny family of like four people. So who all those people are, I don't know, but she looks like she's very happy to be reconnected with all these folks. And so she did this for a while. And then she's one of those rare people who asked to do the tour of the heavenly realm. Hmm. And so she would be, she's been doing that for quite a while. That tour takes years. It's, it's very, very long. And so anyway, but, uh, but she, she's, she loves you. She's, uh, was, was, she's very proud of you. It looks like there are some things about you that she didn't understand in life that Mm -hmm. she understands now better as she's passed. Because once, um, once everything human drops away, you know, things like money and having to, you know, be at a job and pay bills and all those earthly things, you know, needing, being hungry or worrying about your health conditions. Once all that stuff drops away, 
all the really just important stuff stays. And that's like the quality of the relationships and the time you spent together and how you connected. And then people start to really pick up on things that they didn't realize were occurring in life. Mm -hmm. And so there's some of that that's happened with you. You have siblings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it looks like she's spent a fair amount of time asking questions of her spiritual support team to understand some of the life lessons that played out for her. She doesn't, it doesn't appear she's done her life review yet. She's so the life review is one of those things that you have to do it. Eventually, most people do it somewhere between five to 10, 15 years after they're deceased and they do it in um, segments. So they might do like pre-birth, like, why did I come here? What was I even doing in the first place? Then they do like early, you know, maybe pregnancy, infancy, and then they start going into school. And depending on the person, one person might do every single year of school, like first grade, second grade, third grade, whatever. Another person might just do all of elementary school, but they do take breaks. And then when they get to finally get to the end of their life, they can go back and do any sections they need to do over. Most people do this from birth to death. Some people do it death to birth. And some people start at a pivotal point in the middle of their life. She hasn't decided how she wants to do it yet. Mm. And she hasn't started. So, but she'll have a lot more insights um, as that continues. Yeah. I would avoid my life review too. <laughs> Sorry, what? I would avoid my life review also. <laughs> no, you can't avoid it. Actually, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's kind of like watching a movie mm. with a whole bunch of people that love you and they they don't you don't go over every single aspect of your life. You just go over all the pivotal aspects of your life. And then there's an explanation. Why did this happen? What what lesson was being learned here? And, and so it's, it's about insight. It's not about, um, it's about growing, growing emotionally and spiritually and so forth. But anyway, she hasn't done it yet. So what's her uh, opinion of the podcast? She, uh, the, the way it came across to me was she thinks a little weird, <laughs> but, but she's mostly, uh, thinks it's, it's perfect for you. That it's like, it makes sense for your personality and your um, what kind of what lights your fire and feeding your curiosity and that kind of thing. And she gets it because she was curious in a very similar way. So um, angels, is she psychic? They said she's she is psychic, but not the way you're psychic. Uh, I think she was more psychic than me. N no, just different. She was pretty damn psychic. Just different, different psychic. She was not psychic. My grandmother was psychic. It's just, I think, I think you might be a little bit more psychic than you give yourself credit. Wow. Yeah. I, I just don't think you've, you know, sometimes when people have a relative who's very psychic, like professional psychic, they think, well, this is their thing. It can't, can't be my, like, I can't be like they are. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just because yours isn't the same way theirs is, doesn't mean that you don't have it. Yeah. I, I would definitely. I, I know as a kid, it was a little bit intimidating. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, couldn't, so, well, I couldn't get away with as much stuff. No, my daughter can't either. <laughs> so. It's hard. It's I know. I know. It's tough when your mom's a psychic. <laughs> yeah, my daughter doesn't like anything I put in her lunchbox. She'll like leave it at the front door and then I'll know she left it. So I'll rush out there and be like, you're going to take these freaking, you know, blueberries <laughs> to pack for you. <laughs> 
So anyway, but no, your mom seems like a really interesting gal. Cool. Well, thank you again. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, like I said, I'll put the links to this links to your website in the <laughs> episode. And uh, hang on for one moment while I play the outro. <laughs> okay, I sure will. <laughs> Recording stopped.